0: Welcome to the Faith Assembly Podcast. Join us this Sunday at one of our four campuses. Call times are at 9 and 11 a.m. at our Summerville and Remount campuses, 10 a.m. at our North Charleston campus, and 11 a.m. at our Monk's Corner campus. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Larry Birdbacher. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit faithishere.org. Welcome to Faith this morning. So good to have you guys here. Uh, Great spirit in the house this morning. Wonderful always to get together with the family of God and worship Him. Take your Bibles out and turn to Luke. Luke chapter 7. We are talking about men and women of faith. We are looking at our theme. We are faith. Faith is more than just the name of our church. We have got to be men and women of faith. We are in a warfare, we are in a battle. And we need that faith of the Lord Jesus Christ in our hearts and lives. The Bible says without faith, it is impossible to please God. And so we want to be God-pleasers today. And I want to see through this series that every one of our faith grows... To believe God for the miraculous. I believe 2015 is going to be an awesome year. Anybody want to believe that with me? We're going to have a great year this year. God's going to do amazing things, but it only happens as we believe together and have faith in the Lord. Now, uh, week one, we looked at overcoming our doubts, and we looked at a man who had a demon-possessed son, and his, his life was messed up, his family was messed up. And as we begin to look at how overcoming faith operates, we saw some contrast in that story. You saw the disciples. The Bible said, Jesus said to them, O faithless generation, how long should I be with thee? In other words, at that time, the disciples did not have faith. We don't want to be that faithless generation today. And then we saw the Father, and he had what we would call feeble faith. And he said, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. Kind of that mixture. I find myself there many times. God, I believe. I need you to help my unbelief. I need you to place faith in my heart and my life. And, And then he gave the key to that overcoming faith. He said this kind comes about by nothing but by prayer and by fasting. And we begin to launch this year with prayer and fasting and seeking the face of the Lord. And I'm hearing great stories of already what God has done in your hearts and lives as we set ourselves aside to seek his face. And when we do that, when we pray and fast, when we stay in that connection with the Lord, then our faith is built up. Last week, we looked at blind Bartimaeus. He seemed a contradiction. His name means son of honor, and yet you have the son of honor. He's sitting by the side of the road, and he's begging, and he's blind. And yet he cried out for God in his time of need. And the Bible said he stood up threw off his garments, and ran to where Jesus Christ was. And the Lord Jesus Christ healed him. Not only did he heal him, he made him whole. and He became a Christ follower, incredible story of faith. And and, And Jesus makes a statement, he said, your faith has made you whole. Your faith is what healed you. That's why it's so important in our lives. Now this morning we're gonna look at a centurion soldier, and it's the only time, as you read all through Scripture, the only time God, Jesus, is amazed at somebody's faith was this centurion soldier. He used the word, he was amazed. Jesus Christ was amazed. How do we have that amazing faith? Can you imagine Jesus being amazed at, at someone else's faith? This centurion soldier had that. Now let's stand together as we read God's word this morning. Romans Chapter seven and verse number one, an incredible story about a centurion soldier. Let's hear his story today. And when Jesus had finished saying all this in the hearing of the people, he entered Capernaum. And there was a centurion servant whom his master valued highly, was sick and about to die. The centurion heard of Jesus and sent some elders to the Jews to ask him, asking him to come and heal his servant. And when they came to Jesus, they pleaded earnestly with him. This man deserves to have you do this because he loves our nation and has built our synagogue. So Jesus went with him. He was not far from the house when the centurion sent friends to say to him, Lord, don't trouble yourself, for I not, do not deserve to have you come under my roof. That is why I did not even consider myself worthy to come to you. But say the word. Everybody say that. Say the word. Say the word. And my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one go and he goes. I tell this one come and he comes. I say to my servant do this and he does it. When Jesus heard this he was amazed at him and turned to the crowd following him said I tell you I have not found such great faith even in Israel. And the man who had been sent returned to the house and found his servant well. What a great story. Amazing faith. Father, we love you so much. We thank you, God, for the word today. I pray, God, that it will well up in our hearts and lives, that that the word will be our strength. The word will build faith this morning. I thank you, God. We ask you to do this in your mighty name. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. What a a contrast. You have here a Roman soldier, a man who is considered an enemy of Israel. Israel doesn't like Romans. They don't care for the Romans. Uh, Roman oppression was over top of the nation of Israel. And yet this Roman soldier understands something the Jewish elders did not understand. He had a handle on something, a grasp on something that that they didn't get. And so Jesus Christ says to him, I tell you, not even in Israel have I found such faith. So, So why is it said of this soldier, he has more faith than all the elders of Israel? We're going to look at a couple things this morning as we look at this centurion's life. First of all, I think the Roman centurion had an understanding of who he was. Now, you've got to understand the backdrop of what a centurion was. He knew exactly what his assignment was in life. A centurion commanded a a group of 100 soldiers, a, a regiment of 100 soldiers. Thus, he was given the name a centurion. He achieved his rank by distinguishing himself above all the others through his dedication and courage. A centurion was like was like Russell Crowe in the Gladiator. He is the top dog. He is the main man. He's got the sword. Everybody follows him. He's an incredible leader. He's dedicated. He's laid his life down on the line. He does all these things. And so he has arrived now to the rank of a centurion, over 100 men. He is responsible for leading and training those men. And so he would lead them, and and he would lead them into battle. He would lead them in in merciless attacks, uh, into conquest. That's exactly what the centurion did. And when a centurion would take his armies in, and sometimes it was more than one regiment, uh, but when he would take his armies in and they would conquer an area, often they would leave that centurion in that area to police the area. So now he is in Palestine, he is policing the area, he is one of the Roman centurions that's in charge of keeping order in that whole region, that whole area, along with his hundred men who were underneath him, and so they were there. But often when centurions would go in and they would take an area and they would rule over that area or that region, they would rob the people. They would pillage the people, they would rape the women, they would uh, have their way with anybody else in the village, in the area where they ruled and reigned, and they were often very cruel, very oppressive, and very hard. But there's something different about this centurion. He's not like all the others in Rome, totally different. He is actually somebody who saw himself as a servant to the people. Roman centurions, serving the people. Now, do you say, Pastor, how do you know this? Well, we get it right here from the text. First of all, the first thing that jumps out at us is he cares about a servant girl. Now, servants are just property. Servants could be abused. They, were, they didn't fall under his protection. They weren't cared for. They were simply property, like you would have your horse and your house And your servants, they all belonged to you. They had no rights whatsoever. They were complete property. And yet the Bible tells us that he was concerned about a sick servant girl. And so he goes to send his people out to go find Jesus Christ. I want to tell you, he loved those people who were underneath his command. And as we are called and we ourselves are under the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ and you lead at work and wherever you're at and you have people that are underneath you, do you really love and care and serve your people? The leadership that Jesus Christ always modeled was servant leadership. Jesus Christ, even though he's ruler over all, came to serve, not to be served and to give his life a ransom for many. And so you see some of those qualities In this Roman centurion, he cared for those underneath him. And then in verse number five, it also says he loved those he served. It says, see how much he loves Israel. He loved Israel so much that he personally funded the building up of their synagogue in Capernaum. So he funds it. He pays for it. He takes care of it. And so now the Jewish nation in Capernaum, uh, the Jewish group that are gathered there, they have a synagogue that has been built by their enemy, a Roman. It's no wonder they go out to find Jesus Christ. He's been good to them. He's loved them and now he has a need and now they go out and they search for Jesus and the elders find him and say, come, Uh, we've got a guy who loves us, who cares about us, who built our synagogue. Uh, Even though he's a Roman, uh, won't you come and visit him? He loved the people he, he served, he cared about. And then also we see this Roman Centurion had a need, a need that he couldn't fix. He had a situation he couldn't handle himself. He also has a problem. He says, You go find Jesus Christ. He later tells Jesus, or later they would tell him, that he felt unworthy to go find Jesus because he knows he is a Roman soldier, he knows he is a sinner. And then he would later say, I'm not even worthy for Jesus to come into my house. He had an honest appraisal about who he was before the Lord Jesus Christ. He has a need, and he knows that only Jesus Christ can answer. But he himself is unworthy to receive Jesus Christ. And so now he has a real dilemma. Now listen to me, a platform for amazing faith, Begins with an understanding of who we are and who we are not. It starts with a realization that I can't save myself, that without God I am lost, that I am hopeless, that I can't answer my own problems. I can't work myself out of this old mess. I can't solve all my own situations, and I do not not even consider myself worthy to come underneath my roof. Lord, I am totally unworthy in your presence. I cannot fix myself, and I don't deserve your help, but I want to tell you, I have a need, and if you don't know Jesus Christ today, you have a very desperate need of him in your life today. We don't have the answers. We are hopeless without him. And all faith begins with that realization that I can't make it without Jesus. How many of us were unworthy and Christ came in and saved us and set us free from sin and made us brand new creatures in Christ Jesus and radically transformed our life? Listen, if you know Christ, that's every one of us. He loved us while we were yet sinners. No claim to his grace, no right to his mercy still loved us, have a need. How many of us were in need and we cried out to God and God heard our cry for help? Have a need. And now when Christ comes in, when he gives us new life, he also gives us a purpose and an assignment and a mission in life. Listen, that job, that difficult job, you work in every day god has you there for a reason you have a mission and an assignment that has been given to you by god you are a man under his authority and god has placed you where he wants you to be uh, you you, you teenagers today you go to your high schools every day uh, and you go up and down those hallways uh, and you think how dark it is i want to tell you god has you there for a reason and for a purpose uh, and where the darkness is the light shines the brightest of the lord jesus christ you're on assignments when Christ comes in, he changes everything. And for you guys that live in that dysfunctional family or come from that dysfunctional family, God has you there for a reason and God has you there for a purpose. You are on assignment, you are under authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we have a need. And we cry out to God. God comes in, takes all my sins away, gives me a brand new life, but he doesn't stop there. He also sends us on assignment. We are a mission. We are soldiers in his armies. We have an assignment from God. and We see that. I have a purpose. I have a reason for being. Notice how the centurion led, how he fulfilled his purpose in the Roman army. He didn't just police the city. He didn't rule with a heavy hand, but he shows compassion. He shows love and tenderness. He he cares about them who are underneath his authority. And as God sends you out, as he uses you wherever you're at, we're called upon to display that same kind of compassion and love those who are all around us. Verse 5, because he loves our nation. Listen, those were not Romans he was loving. They were Jews. They were the conquered. They were in many ways before his enemies. See how he loves our nation. You know, when Jesus Christ comes to Capernaum, he's just come down off uh, off the mountain where he had preached his most famous sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, What does he say in that sermon? Love your enemies. Bless those who persecute you. If they strike you on one cheek, give them your other cheek also. And now Jesus Christ is gonna live this out. He's gonna gonna model it with a Roman soldier. Love your enemies. He's not even our nation, but how much he loves us, how much he gave. And I wanna tell you, when you show compassion, and you show mercy, and and you show kindness, it's going to take your time. You're on assignment. This is not a peripheral job. This is our job. It's going to take energy. It's going to take your money, your finances. We're called upon to love, show love to those we serve. We serve under the authority of the Lord, but we also serve others. So I am under authority, and I also have authority. I have authority. I am under the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ and His Word. I also have divine authority through the Lord Jesus Christ over principal powers and principalities and rulers of wickedness in heavenly places. I have, I have authority. And so this centurion has a grasp of that. And so we see that. In the next point, and it's simply this he understood the authority of Jesus' words. This is why he has such amazing faith. He knew the power of the word. Now, let's read it again for you. Look at verse number seven. He says, That is why I did not even consider myself worthy to come to you, but say the word. Say the word. If you get nothing else out of this message today, get this point. Say the word. Speak the word. Believe the word. Live the word. Just say the word. That's where our authority comes from. Say the word. (coughs) And my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he goes, and that one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, I say, do this, and he does it. I say with my mouth, go, and he goes. I say with my mouth, come, and he comes. I say with my mouth, do this, and he does it. And so he says to Jesus, just say the word. Incredible, amazing faith. As a Roman soldier, this centurion knows well both sides of authority. Listen to me here. Both sides of authority. He knows to listen and obey when a Roman commander tells him what to do with his army, right? He is a soldier who is also under authority. Everybody in the house today is under authority. We are first under the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ, and then God has also placed in our lives spiritual authorities or or secular authorities on the job site, wherever we would be, but we're also under authority. In the body of Christ, I have a mentor who mentors me. I mentor others. I disciple others. We are under authority, and we have those in authority under us. And the centurion understands that. He knows how to receive a command. He knows how to give a command. And he could speak to any one of his hundred soldiers and say, go, and that guy would immediately go. No questions asked. No hesitation. No hesitation. Go, and he goes. He doesn't argue. He doesn't wait. He doesn't think about it. He doesn't say later. He goes. And he understood the power of his words because of the authority he had in the Roman Legion. Now listen to me. Somewhere along the way, this pagan Roman soldier's makes the connection with his authority in the Roman army and the authority that this new person had, the Messiah had, the Son of God had, and he makes the corollary or the connection between his authority and the greater authority, even greater than his own authority, that comes through the Lord Jesus Christ. You tracking with me now? It's no wonder Jesus says, Israel, you don't get it. But a pagan Roman soldier, he gets it. And he's amazed. He's blown away at the soldier's amazing faith. And and, and he says, you're the Messiah with all your authority. If you will just speak the word, what will happen? It'll be done. My servant will be healed. Just say the word. Faith. Amazing faith. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Speak the word. Say the word. And it will be done. The centurion is used to authority. The centurion knew how to wait for his orders. He knew how to wait for that word that came down to him. The centurion then got the word, and then the centurion carried out the word, carried out the orders. What would happen in our lives? Listen to me. What would happen in us if we didn't move, speak, or act until we got the word from the Lord? until we heard from God what if we didn't react in fear what if our hearts weren't flooded with doubt what if we didn't stress and worry and fret until we got our word you see we get we get worried we get anxious we get upset we get fearful We have all these emotions. We're stressed out. We're burnt out. We're fired out. We're messed up. And we get all tied up inside, and stress is killing us. Why? Because we're not waiting on a word from God. You get that word from the Lord, stress is gone, worry's gone, anxiety's gone, because God says, Go, and we go. God says, come and we come. God says, do this and we do this. Simple. Just do what God's telling you to do. Amazing faith. But you've got to get that word. Just say the word. Are you getting it today? I want this to get in your spirit today. This is a key. This is the key to amazing faith. We stay connected through God, through prayer and fasting. But then we listen to God and we get the word and we act on the word. Amazing, amazing faith. What is the Lord saying to you today? What is he saying to us? What if stress and tragedy and sickness drove us instead of to deeper worry and fear and isolation, but drove us into the word of God. And we say, God, what do you have for me today? What is the promise in your word for me in my situation? God, where is the answer? I'm looking in your word. Get the word. Jesus is in the wilderness and he's tempted by the enemy and so there's spiritual warfare going on and this battle's going on between Satan and and he's trying to come and take Jesus Christ down and so you have this intense warfare going on and right in the middle of, of this in Matthew 4 and verse 4, listen to this verse, listen to this. Man shall not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. What moves you today? What drives you today? It, is, it, is it every word that comes from the mouth of God? Centurion yes. has great faith because he believed Jesus' words have authority. They are your weapons. The word of God is the weapon in your arsenal? They are the bullets in your gun. And we're taking our guns and we're firing at Satan and we're shooting blanks because we haven't heard of Thus saith the Lord yet. Right. And then we wonder why we're getting knocked around. We wonder why we're getting beat up and on the canvas. The Word. Without the word in our life, we are defenseless and death reigns. But when we wait on his word and are in the word, then we begin to understand the power and authority that comes through the word. And we say, Lord, just speak it. Just tell me, God. I'm with you. I'm on board. We're tracking together. Just say the word. It'll be done. (laughs) Ephesians 6, Paul describes the weapons of our warfare. And he talks about this spiritual battle. I don't have time to read it. Read it later. Go memorize it. Learn it. Get into it. And he talks about our adversary. We have an adversary, the devil. He is called the accuser of the brethren. He is a liar from the beginning of creation. He wants to steal, rob, and destroy. uh, And so he's out to get you. And how does he do it? He attacks through doubt and fear. He wants you to begin to doubt the word. He wants to create fear inside of you. He wants you to stress out and worry and fill you with insecurity and anxiety and all those other kind of things that bring us into bondage. And so we come into bondage from the enemy. So Paul writes the Ephesians, put on the full armor of God. And he says, I want you to put on the belt of truth. Live your life out of truth and only truth, and so wear the belt of truth. And then he says, your breastplate of righteousness, my righteousness in Christ Jesus. And he says, my feet are fitted with the preparation of the gospel of peace. He says, take the shield of faith to quench the fiery darts of the wicked one. Put on the helmet of salvation to guard your mind but of all these weapons, there's only one offensive weapon. The shield quench the fiery darts. Breastplate protects your hearts from something hitting you in the chest. The belt is something you wear, keep your loins girded. Your feet shod with peace, you need that to protect your feet. They're all defensive in nature. There is only one offensive weapon in the arsenal of the believer, and that is the word of God, he says, which is the sword of the Spirit. There's a sword, there's a word, there's a word from God, there's a word for your arsenal to take the enemy down. And so what am I saying, church, listen to me, get it this morning, read his word, listen to his word, know his word, rest in his word. Just say the word. Just say the word. It'll be done. I got it. <laughs> Gladiator goes into training. What's he do? Takes his sword. It's a big dude. I can't hardly hold it with one hand. What's he do? He, he learns how to use the sword. He practices morning, noon, and night. You've seen the Groman movies, those guys get out there, they're out there practicing, they learn how to move their feet, they learn how to move the sword, they know how to thrust at the right time, how to cross this way, how to cross that way, they thrust, they cross, they move, and why are they so good in battle? Because they practice, they practice. They go over it and over and over again, so it becomes muscle memory to them. You athletes know about muscle memory. I don't because I'm not an athlete, but you're muscle memory. You just know how to do it. You know when to swing, when to do this, when to move. It's all muscle memory, and you go over and over and over because it becomes a part of your arsenal to defeat the enemy. Just say the Word, and in the time of battle, everything you've learned and you've studied and you've prepped for and you've practiced, it all comes back. Now here's the problem. Many of you do not know when the Lord is speaking and what he's saying to your heart. You don't know. You don't know how many people I encounter who say, how do I know to hear the voice of God? How do I know what God is saying? How do I know when he's speaking to me? Now, the biggest problem usually is we haven't spent time with him. And it's hard to hear his voice when there are so many other voices crying out for our attention Now I want to encourage you guys to begin to do something. When you get alone in your quiet time with God, when you pray, take time to listen. Most of our prayers are consumed with us talking. And and we, we need to praise Him and we need to worship Him. And it's okay to bring our needs and petitions to God. But pause and listen. Get quiet and get still before God. Now, there is a powerful prayer arsenal that you have. It's called praying in the Spirit. The Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter. 14, I will pray with the spirit and I will pray with my understanding. I will pray with the spirit, I will pray with my understanding. And when you pray in that spiritual heavenly language that God gives you, it bypasses the mind and your spirit is praying directly according to the will of God. Now listen to me, I always thought that verse had to do with I pray with my spirit and then I pray in English with my understanding, with the mind gate. And yes, there is that application there. I think that's probably the most rudimentary application of that scripture. But it goes deeper than that. I believe Paul's talking about, I pray with the Spirit, and then the Holy, then God speaks to me through my mind. And I understand what the will of God is. I understand what the purpose of God is. And so when I pray, Paul says, I pray in tongues or in the Spirit more than you all. He's talking about that personal, private prayer time with God. And so when you are alone with God, in the presence of God, do both. Pray in the Spirit. Pray with your understanding. You pray with the Spirit. And then you say, God, what are you telling me? God, where are we going with this thing? what do you want to show me? What do you want to reveal to me? And all of a sudden he gives you revelation. He gives you understanding. He gives you his word for you. We get terrified on the day of battle because we haven't had our practice sessions with God. Our practice sessions with God And when you live by every word that comes from the mouth of God, your life begins to change. He transforms your life and you become a man or a woman of amazing faith. And you're just walking around with God. Oh, we're talking and we're listening and we're doing what you say. Just say the word. Oh, yeah, I got it now, God. Bam! Bam! Take the enemy down. I know the Lord has authority. So all we do is say, just say the word, and I will obey. So as we look at our lives today, first of all, we've got to realize how unworthy we are to have the Lord even come under our roof, right? The Romans says, God, I'm not worthy for you to come under my roof. And the bottom line is every one of us are not worthy for Christ to come into our life. We are not. But you know what? When we open up our heart and faith to God and we say, God, forgive me. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. God, live inside of me. He takes those sin away and he says, you know what? I can go ahead and live in that vessel now. God's primary purpose in creation was that he might dwell with you. From the very beginning of time, it's all about God dwelling with man. And so we say, God, I'm not worthy to have you come under my roof. When there's that realization there, then I cry out in my need and Christ comes in anyway. Because he loves us. Because he cares about us. And so if you don't know Jesus Christ today, you can invite him to come into your life. You just say, God, I need you. Be merciful to me, a sinner. Come and live inside of me. And then after that, we begin to understand our purpose and our mission. And we can't go out on the battlefield without our weapons. Or we're going to get slaughtered out there. And so we have a, a mission and an assignment. And to carry out that mission and assignment that God has given us, we need amazing faith. And when I walk And I move and I breathe according to the word of God. Man doesn't live. He only lives by every word. I live and I move and I have my being as a child of God by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And that word brings direction and that word brings peace and that word is with me. The steps of a righteous man are ordered of the Lord, ordered, commanded. I say, go and I go, come and I come, do this and I do it. And the peace of God will guard your hearts, guard your understanding. Now, two questions. Do you need to the Lord today and do you need a word from God today? Do you need a word of God for 2015. Now we're going to show, we've been featuring some testimonies every week. We got a wonderful one again today about a man who cried out to God, cried out to God in his hour of need and Jesus Christ came down and now he is a man who is living under his authority. Take a look.
1: Hi, my name is Youssef Marshall. This is my story about how I got from death to life. I was born and raised in the inner city, in the mean streets of New York City. Everything around me was negative. Everything was dangerous and 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 poison to a kid like me with no father in the household and a mother that worked two jobs and went to school. I was a what they call a latchkey kid, and you know, I basically fend it for myself with cooking and and making sure that I went to bed on time and all the things that were probably too much responsibility for a kid my age. But in all of those things, all the troubles that I went through dealing with gangs and, and drugs and a lot of the things that can cause somebody that young to be tripped up, you know, I really felt like my life was empty and, and, and meaningless and didn't have any purpose. You know? I always ask myself the question, why was I here? Why was I created? I went to church with my mom maybe Sunday, but it was a religious move. It was, it was nothing about it that was significant that kind of stayed with me. It was just something that we did because, you know, maybe something bad would happen to us if we didn't go to church. You know, we get struck by lightning or something, I, I don't know, but we did that and it never really held any value for me, any real significance for me. And one day I was in a situation where I got caught up with some wrong people. And I, I joined a, for lack of a better word, I will call it a cult, I guess. It's a, it was an Islamic-based religion, but it was basically a cult, you know, a cult that uses scriptures. And I tried to find, you know, my purpose and my meaning in that situation, but I, I kind of made that decision out of a divorce in my life and not because of anything solid. And I was with them for a few years and I saw some horrible things with my own eyes. I saw some demonic things and I realized that if the God that made me is a God of love, I'm surrounded by hate, I'm probably in the wrong place. So I left and one day I was uh, the victim of an armed robbery. And I came out with all of my money and everything that I owned that was precious but most of all my life. And I looked to God right on the front steps of my mom's house in Brooklyn, and I said, God, if you're real, I need you to bring me out. I can't live the way I am anymore. I have to do better than what I'm doing. So I need you to bring me out, show me that you're real. And I was eventually introduced to my wife of 19 years and to Jesus Christ almost simultaneously. And I've been walking with him ever since. I found that wanting to know him and know if he was real was the easy part. But chasing him every day of my life, desiring to be more like him, that took more sacrifice and it took more commitment. You know, being a, a father of three grown daughters and a papa now to six little grandchildren, I realized how important it is that souls get what they need while they're young. Bible says in Proverbs 22 that we're to train up a child in a the way that they should go, and when they're older, they won't depart from it. And those times are so critical. So I just want to encourage everybody that's listening to this story, that's hearing it, wherever you're hearing it at, be encouraged that God loves you. He hasn't forgotten about you. If he could save me, a crazy guy from Brooklyn, New York, I'm pretty sure that he can take care of you from where you come from and what you've been through. So take care of yourself, take care of your children, Train them up in the way of the Lord, and they will definitely be blessed. I know I am.
0: Amen. Hallelujah. is that cool? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I just love these faith stories of men and women who had faith in Christ. And God changed your life. If you haven't done that yet. You can do that this morning. Bow your heads and close your eyes. Father, I thank you for everybody here today, for your incredible love. None of us are worthy to have you come into our life under our roof. But God, you want to. You want to. You long to have fellowship with us. You long to know us more intimately. You long to give us life. That's why you came. That's why we have hope today. We thank you, Jesus. Thanks for listening to this weekly podcast. Check out faithishere.org for podcasts and videos of our previous messages.